going on, everybody? This is your homeboy, Chuck Livingston, reporting live from the Hogcast uh, on a, a chilly Monday afternoon here in uh, northeast Arkansas. I'm joined, as always, by my two compadres, Colby Yarbrough. Colby? What's up, everyone? And Logan Laffingston. How's it going? Also could have went with Logan Living Room there because, you know, he basically, you know, he just ch- chills in the living room a lot. That's me. <laughs> um, and actually, he chilled a lot in the living room this week because the uh, Arkansas Ridgebacks basketball team uh, played at home on a Tuesday night and a Saturday afternoon, and they were victorious both both contests, uh, winning blowout fashion in both games. Uh, really, um, I mean, we all sort of knew what to expect at home against, uh, you know, mediocre opponents, but the way they did it was uh, fascinating. The Mississippi State game, uh, most uh, impressively, uh, let's start with Colby. Colby, what, what did you see that you liked from the Razorbacks this week? Arkansas's defense, it's been kind of a problem the last, uh, you know, pretty much all year, but the last few games they really turned up their defense. And, I mean, their offense hasn't even been that great. And um, Qualls has not been playing like he has the last five games. But, I mean, you know, if you play good defense, I mean, you can suffer a little bit in offense. So if this team ever gets their offense going again, I mean, it's going to be a very dangerous team. Logan? Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, early in the year we struggled really bad on on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, these last two games we pretty much shut these guys down. Mississippi State had nine points in the first half. Um you can't really ask for much more than that. I think that was a. I think that's Mississippi State's lowest uh, half, a scoring half in their history. So I like. I like the sound of that. Did we do that? With and, a lo- and, and and that's a very decorated uh, basketball history in Starkville, by the way. They're not um, bad. Or uh, you know, it's. <laughs> it's, it's I'm sure there are worse basketball schools, but still. Regardless, you hold a team to nine points. I don't care who you are. That's that's good. You're gonna win a lot of games doing that. So that was good. Especially to see. especially when we allowed. Um, you know, 92 in a game against uh, Northwestern State and allowed some, you know, Not Ole Miss is still... Ole Miss is still yeah. scoring, yeah. <laughs> Ole Miss is still hitting from the perimeter. Maybe they'll cool off by uh, this weekend, but yeah. Um, I was glad to see uh, in the Mississippi State game uh, Anthon Bell really come alive because we really are going to need him uh, going forward to win a lot more games. And he really stepped up in the absence of... Not in the absence of Qualls because he played, but... His scoring has uh, kind of been in a drought lately. So it was good to see Bell step up, and we're going to need him quite a bit going forward. Yeah, Micah sort of went into the tank ever since the uh, Alabama overtime win. Uh, obviously, he's not going to drop 30 points every night. That's ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm sure teams are probably game planning for him, and I'm sure that, that you know, he's become a point of emphasis to try to stop, uh, which is, as you're saying, what, you know, why a guy like Antoine Bell becomes so important because – uh, you gotta. It's gonna sound dumb. You gotta have somebody scoring the basketball. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you're Mississippi State in uh, Bud Walton, and uh, and that's gonna happen a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm with Colby. Defensively, uh, the defensive improvement is um is the biggest thing because you know basketball coaches, especially old school coaches, have always said that uh you can always play good defense and uh, win games that way on nights when your shot's not falling. You know, it, it doesn't take any um it doesn't take skill to play hard hustle after balls and, you know, stay in front of your man. Like, it just takes, you know, good fundamentals and uh, attention to detail. So if you believe all that, then, um, you know, you can win some low-scoring games, and we almost did against Florida, and we should have, you know, we beat Missouri the same way as well. Uh, You know, sort of like Dave Yeager, the Memphis Grizzlies, always says, when you want to get them in the mud. You know, if you can defend at a high level, then uh, you'll win a lot of ball games. And if the offense ever does come back around, well, I mean, now you've really got a potential monster in your hands. So, 
Um, I like the way we've won these games because it really has been defense first with uh, just enough offense to get there. Of course, we know we can get it done offensively. I wanted to see it from the defense, you know, and uh, and that's going to be pushed to the test this week. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that here shortly. But um, I thought it was good, like you said. I mean, Mississippi State, we really didn't play very well on offense. I know we were up 30-9, to nine, but that game could have been a lot worse than that score said. It could have been easily 40 or 50-9 to nine because our offense really wasn't playing that well. But when you're playing defense – to that level, then your offense really doesn't have to play that well to win games. Um, as the score showed, I mean, we're up 30 to nine in our offense. I mean, I was watching and our offense really wasn't on it, but you know, defense held their ground. Mississippi state's kind of been on a row. I think they, before coming to Arkansas, they'd won their last four out of six. And, uh, I think they just beat LSU, maybe Tennessee. So they're kind of on a row and, um, and they're not the greatest team, but they've been playing pretty well. I mean, then we came up and didn't have our best game offensively and win by 20. I think it's a pretty good day. I agree, you know, and, uh, and you know, a lot of people, including myself, you know, will look at it and say, oh, well, they were at home. Yeah, we're at home, and that's fine. And, but, you know, you've got to you got to protect your home court. You've already let one get away at home this year to Ole Miss. Uh, number two, the SEC, and we'll get to this in a minute, so I'm just going to save it. But, like, number two, we weren't even tuning teams up like that at home. We, we'd won a couple nail-biters, Alabama being one, uh, at, at the house already. So um, just to blow anybody out, regardless of – what the what the name on the front of the jersey says, or what they might rank or not be ranked, it's better than holding on for dear life while while you play Alabama or you let out Ole Miss shoot the lights out. So I mean, you win the game you're supposed to win, but you win it the way you're supposed to win too. Does that make sense? Yeah, because last year, I mean, we lost to a couple teams down the stretch that really eliminated us from tournament condition because they were so bad. I mean, they were similar records to Mississippi State and South Carolina this year uh, with the Alabama and South Carolina loss last year. Um, so it's good to win these games and win them convincingly because, I mean, we should be better than them. Our record shows it and haven't been playing. So it, it, it's, it's a step up from last year, and it's good to see that improvement because I really hated playing down to lower-level teams, and it's good to just put them away. Get them a body bag and whatnot. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and again, like I said, it, we'll get our opportunity this week to sort of, um, you know, um, get got two biggies, including a, a, a potential um, – potential revenge game in Ole Miss at the Tad Pad uh, against against the Rebels. Um, but it sort of brings me on the next point. Um, you know, the, the games we didn't really crop much out of it other than we're better than uh, South Carolina and Mississippi State, which we kind of suspect going into it. But um, how about the SEC's basketball um, uh, resurrection, so to speak? Um, you know, last year we took uh, you know we took a lot of uh, flack. The, the conference as a whole took a lot of heat for, you know, supposedly being down, but then you have three teams go to the Sweet 16, and you have, um, again, teams maybe better than the sum of their parts, Arkansas included. Uh, but now this year, it's almost become like a murderer's row where you've got Kentucky at the top, but then you've got about five or six teams duking it out for second. Uh, Arkansas, you know, uh, Tennessee, you've got Ole Miss, Georgia. Um, you know, how did this how did this happen? I guess is what I want to know. Logan, well, yeah, what do you think? I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good to see how much better the, the conference has gotten, but I feel like maybe we're not that much better this year, but we're finally getting some more respect. I know last year we only had two teams in for sure, and Tennessee got in as a bubble team. They took pr- pretty much our spot once we fell off. Actually, they uh, they had to win a playoff game, as I recall, yeah. a playing game. Yeah, exactly, and they, had, they ended up going to the Sweet 16, and obviously Florida and Kentucky, I think, went to the Final Four. Um, yes. So obviously the SEC was not – uh, down. I mean, they had three teams in a Sweet 16. I don't know the numbers, but I mean, that's that's pretty good. I'll take that. Um, so this year, I feel like it's just we're getting more more national respect, I guess. 
Um, I know right now we have like seven teams in the top 64 RPI, so we could very well get you know five teams in maybe this year, which would be a big improvement over last year. And hopefully the Razorbacks are one of them if we take care of business down the stretch. Yeah, yeah Colby. Oh, yeah, ahead. I was gonna say I, I think the SEC did a good job of going out of conference and scheduling some games. Uh, like Logan said, I mean they're maybe not much better than they were last year. Just they're getting the exposure with going out of conference and playing, and then because um, last year, I mean, kind of the knock on the SEC or, or you know people knocked the SEC football league because they didn't win the national championship. But people could have used that same argument at the basketball conference last year. They had three teams in Sweet 16 and two teams in the Final Four. So it's probably, you know, similar to it was last year. It's just they're getting that exposure and playing. They played some, you know, other big conferences out of or out of conference schedule. Well, and I also think they've won, they won some of those uh, showcase games, uh, so to speak. You know, you think about Arkansas just uh specifically you know you you beat uh you beat SMU. SMU on the road you get uh you know uh you win a big game at home against Dayton you get some you pick up some some large wins and uh now people start paying attention to your program a little bit of course there was also a loss to Iowa State and uh and Clemson in the mix there but you did play those games and I think you know a lot of times in basketball especially because of the uh, marathon nature of the schedule you sort of uh you get you get credit for playing those games where you know even if you lose them you, they don't really hit you for it because uh, basketball some nights you're just not going to have it um, and those two nights we certainly didn't have it but again that's five high profile non conference games that I mean let's face it in the the previous regime John Pelfrey and even Coach Heath um, we didn't play games like that if you think back I mean I, I remember one year our biggest non conference win was like uh, Tulsa uh, so. Uh, you know, so that that wasn't very good. I think it also helped us going into conference play, having three big road games out of conference. You know, yes, we had to go to Iowa State, which is probably that, that's probably the like besides Rupp Arena, probably the hardest place we're going to play at all year. Uh, we also had to go to Clemson and SMU, all really tough places to play. So I think that got us set up uh, to succeed in conference because we actually played significantly better this year on the road than we have been in the past. And I know we got a better team in general than we have had in the past, but I got to think that that helped us a little bit get mentally prepared for what was coming. Right. You might take your lumps early on in the uh, non-conference schedule, but it pays dividends in the conference schedule, which is where you want to make ground up anyway. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Losing to Iowa State doesn't hurt you that much on the road. But if you come in and then lose to South Carolina on the road, that hurts significantly worse if you're not prepared. Right. So I think that benefited us. I really do. In t- Tennessee last year, they I think they might have won like, 18 regular season games where Arkansas won like 22 or maybe they won 20 but they won less than Arkansas but they're at a conference schedule they went out and played some teams and they didn't win them games if they like Chuck was talking about you almost get credit for just going and playing them games right because you know it it doesn't hurt your RPI where beating a team like you know um you know Middle Tennessee State you know like a team in the 300 in RPI winning that game actually hurts you because they're so bad Meanwhile, you know, playing a team, a top 50 RPI team, even if you lose by 18, which, you know, Iowa State is, is one of those teams, then they're, they're almost like, well, you know, at least they, you know, they, they give you some credit. Now, again, you still have to take care of your business and win some ball games, but, it, you know, it, that's sort of the juxtaposition. you got to find a good balance. And I think Arkansas finally did. What, what would you say? They ended up with four big-time non-conference games, and they definitely split them, and then maybe it's five, maybe it's five non-conference, and you went three and two if you count, like, um – you know, we played Wake Forest. They're not very good, but they're they at least have a big name, right? Like, yeah. So yep. you know, so three and two, two and two, something like that is not terrible. Well, that's what we said at the beginning of the year. If you split those games and win 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 some of the road ones, we'll be fine. And that's what we did. We took care of business from that aspect. And our three of our four toughest uh, uh, non-conference games are on the road. 
Right. Which, and again, like, we all wanted to see if the, and, you know, you, you go, um, you know, one and two in those games, but one of them you should have won against Clemson. I say should have, you know, I'm not making excuses, but it's really no excuse to lose the game even even today. I still can't believe you lost the game. But um, it did happen. So, um, and again, I think you're paying dividends because you think about, you know, the Georgia game, that was a big comeback on the road. You know, Florida, I mean, I still don't know that we lost. I'm still pissed about that. I'm still <laughs> so angry. Like, it's like, you know how a mug, like, you know, you'll eat my last chicken nugget and like, I'll be like, oh, okay, I didn't need that nugget anyway, you know, and I, I let it go. But like, those mugs, like, they took, like, eight of my ten chicken nuggets, and I'm pissed. That was my lunch, SEC. Affi- yeah, we had anyway. that game. Did, did y'all see the uh, Kentucky-Florida game where they the Kentucky dude, like, the Florida dude was under the basket, kind of ball fake, kind of hunched down, and the Kentucky dude just landed on him, and the guy under uh-uh. the basket called a foul. The guy from, the ref from half court ran all the way to underneath the basket and caught a walk. Over what? Time. And I'm like, bad things just happened in Gainesville, just we got kind of the bad side. Man, well, we get we got a game deciding side. I mean, in a one point game, you know, goodness gracious, man, l- l- let the guys play and figure it out. Like, and again, I, you know, and Colby pointed out too. You know, really, Anton should have gotten an N one opportunity at the other end because the guy was slid over and. Tra- but you know, so really, you know, you can say those calls even out. But for Arkansas, in a one point loss, they kind of got shafted two times on a foul calls, and in a one point game, those type of things add up uh, tremendously, and. um you know, but hey, I mean, you can't gripe about it. I mean, if you take care of business, that loss isn't going to hurt you that bad because Florida could play their way into the tournament as well. But uh, certainly, still a sore spot for me. But, you know, like I said, this week is at Auburn. They built a new arena. Was it last year or two years ago? Last year, honestly. Last year. I think it was, it, it might have opened last year. Of course, they got Bruce Pearl in the fold, and they're playing a lot better. They're scrappy and they're ferocious. They don't really have the talent yet, but uh, it's a game that you're going to have to be ready to go for. Uh, and then, of course, Saturday, Valentine's Day. Hopefully it's not a Valentine's Day massacre uh, in Oxford, Mississippi against Ole Miss. And uh, Colby was talking the other day in the group message that well, strange things seem to happen in Oxford. Uh, you know, you got had the lights go out that one year. I think it was 2013. Uh, one year, the game actually got delayed because of weather conditions, and Arkansas actually won down there. That was John Pelfrey. I want to say it was about 2010. They moved it to, like, a Sunday night or something. It was a weird thing, but, like, you know, it's just – Trips to Oxford are always uh, preceded by, by weird events, you know. So I hope that – can we just make sure that Coach Anderson, uh, you know, is, is – can we just, like, make sure that everything's good with him and, you know, make sure nothing ba- terrible happens to Bobby Portis before the Ole Miss game just because I, I worry about things like that. And, you know, um, it's just a strange deal. Uh, how do you all see this week going? Colby, I'll start with you. Um, You know, I'd be happy with one and one. Uh, Ole Miss is just um – I know Playing it's just a tough place to play. Arkansas has not had much success, even at home with Ole Miss and the Tad Pad. It's one of my least favorite places to go play at just because we've just not had very good luck. Um, well, it's you know, a bomb so, shelter, so. Yeah, exactly. And the, the lights go out, you know, some uh, the officials come out in full force like they always do everywhere, but it seems like more at the Tad Pad. And, and Ole Miss is playing really good right now. They're tied with us in second in the conference. Andy Kennedy, maybe. Um, early candidate for SEC coach of the year, what he's done, you know, losing Marshall Henderson. Right. But, my, you know, my man, I was going to, I was going to bring up Marshall. My man, Bill Simmons has the, uh, the Ewing theory saying, you know, like every time you write a team off because they lose a, a, a heralded superstar that never really won anything. Of course they did win the SEC tournament one year, but you know, um, they didn't have a lot of success outside of that. They say, you know, it's kind of weird how sometimes the team's almost better. Uh, I, do you think? I mean, it seems like Henderson's a, a like the Ewing Theory MVP right now, just the way Ole Miss has taken off because they're sharing the ball more. Yeah, it sounds like a much like addition by subtraction type deal. 
we, we've seen a few of those our way too over the years, yep. haven't we? Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, uh, no it, names. No names. It's almost it's Andy Kennedy seems like he's all he's been on the hot seat ever since he's been there, but always finds a way to to get past it. And this year is might be his best year I can remember. I mean, they look they're clearly in, clearly in the tournament right now, and um, I think he's only made the tournament one other year. Uh, I just got a tweet. Uh, the officiating crew for Saturday's Ole Miss game is going to be um, Eli Manning, Archie Manning, and uh, and Johnny Vaught. Johnny Vaught, yeah, uh, Ernest Hemingway. So uh, so we'll have that to look forward to. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure they're going to have an even-handed approach to officiating, and uh, that won't be a factor in the outcome at all. And Houston Nuts are running the scoreboard. <laughs> Houston Nuts running the scoreboard, and John Pelfrey's actually signed on to be a, a guest uh, assistant for the Rebels that night. I guess Florida plays on Sunday, so he's going to be in two It'd be places. Funny if John Pelfrey's just like assistant coaching everybody that's playing Arkansas <laughs> that week. It's just like John Pelfrey walks in, what's up, Gus? He's, he wears the same suit all the time. He's just like, oh, what's going on? Like, he shows up at the Auburn sideline. He just, just goes like, to, like, the, the Hog Heaven store and buys the tie for the week, whoever he's playing, like, whoever he's coaching. Tennessee. Yeah, oh, got to get my gotta get my volunteer tie on. Eventually, they just stop doing business with him. It's like, hey, look, I know it's a $45 tie that's really, like, $20, but, look, you got to go, Pelfrey. You're, <laughs> you're wearing this out, okay? Uh, yeah, Colby was talking earlier how, how Pelfrey, boy, that mug – like, he's just sort of lax, relaxed most of the time. But then, like, when Arkansas is on the other sideline, he's up, he's jumping. You would think that Pelfrey coaching, actually coaching the team would hurt their chances, but it helped Florida that day, so I don't know what happened. How do we know he's coaching? How do we know he's not just standing up, just yelling and screaming, like, trying to act like he's doing something? I feel like we Billy Donovan our composure. Like an old school, like Will Ferrell, you know, he's like, yeah. can't, you can't lose our composure. And he starts, like, banging on the lockers and stuff. <laughs> in the locker. You know, he, I feel like Billy Donovan is such a ruthless, like, assassin-type guy that he just, like, he removed his voice box when he started. So, like, he's like, all right, this is assistant coach Pelfrey. And Pelfrey's, like, trying to sign to him, but the kids don't really get it. And it's like, oh, okay, never mind. This is weird. But uh, Coach Pelfrey's a weird guy. Uh, it's not basketball season unless I like an unprovoked shot at uh, John Pelfrey. <laughs> sometimes you just got to lay there and bleed, man. Sometimes you just got to – a warrior sometimes has to lie down and bleed. And that's, that's the point that uh, – that Pelfrey's uh, squads have come up with, uh, you know, big week for Arkansas. Cause here's the thing, you know, the Auburn games first. So, you know, if you walk into a trap down there and you take a loss, now you're looking at Ole Miss. I mean, I don't say a must win, but you certainly don't want to go Owen two. And, um, oh, during the week and, you know, go ahead, Logan. Here's the problem with this week. We're ranked again. <laughs> so you go ahead right. and get your, you go ahead and mark up at least one loss. But I, I do think that we can out talent Auburn. The only scary part is, They've been they've been playing very well. Uh, yes. Even though they're under talented, um, they're playing with a lot of heart. Bruce Pearl's a good coach. He's got them fired right. up. Uh, I watched that Ole Miss game. They had uh, they had Ole Miss come to Auburn. They played them very tough. And obviously, Ole Miss is a good team. They ran us out of Bud Walton. So. And they beat LSU at LSU. Yeah. So it's not they're better than their record says, but I do think that we'll, we'll be able to take care of business there. But I really think Ole Miss is going to get the sweep on us, guys. I mean, they just they just look like too much for us and Bud Walton. And I don't I don't imagine it's going to get much better in Oxford. I hope to, I hope to be wrong, but I, I just don't see it changing much. Oh God, I, I, th- th- there's a loud cackling coming from Birmingham, Alabama. I think it's our <laughs> I think it's friend of the podcast, Alice McDaniel. She she loves having us. We're, we're going to try to get Alex on uh, after the uh, after this Ole Miss game on Saturday. If Arkansas wins. Oh yeah, if Arkansas wins. If, Arkansas wins. if Ole Miss loses, yeah, we're just going to free we're going to shake her out totally. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, we tried to get in touch with her, and she was on, she was an okay. LB reach. As soon as she so, start, know. as soon as she starts talking smack, though, we're gonna be like, remember the Ole Miss, Ole Miss's best football team since the '60s? 
since Archie Manning. Yeah. yeah 30 zip and uh, Arkansas just scored again. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas still uh, scoring. <laughs> Arkansas just sacked uh, Bo Wallace. Uh, <laughs> again. But not, but not, I mean, I'm, I'm with Logan. I feel like it's one of those deals where, um, you know, the expectations are low. Now, I mean, the thing that we're not really counting on, this is a proud team that Arkansas has for the most part. I mean, they've, they, I, I thought they would show a little more, um, you know, uh, intensity against Tennessee after they let the game get away in Knoxville. And they did win the game, but they let them hang around. But I feel like they – and they should have been really sort of embarrassed by that effort against Ole Miss the first time in a Fayetteville. And, um, you know, and I, I just feel like they're going to be supremely motivated uh, for that one. You know, basketball's a funny game uh, like that where, you know, Ole Miss shots were falling that night, sort of like the Arkansas Ole Miss game last March at Bud Walton where Arkansas literally couldn't miss. Like – like, I think they tried to shoot, like, with their offhand and were still hitting. They shot, like, 60%. <laughs> like, those nights where you can't miss, you can beat anybody. Yeah, I but, will say that is true because they shot 78% in the first half. Like, that's literally that unheard of. That seems pretty good. That that's pretty unheard good. of. So, that, that's sort of my counter to that. You know, it, I mean, and I'm not saying – I think Ole Miss has to be the favorite. I'll be surprised if Arkansas is able to win the game. I don't think it'll be 20 points again. And, uh, again, if Ole Miss isn't hitting shots, I still feel like Arkansas is more talented than Ole Miss, you know. Um uh, so it's just it's one of those deals where if they're not hit, if they just cool off a little bit and just hit half their shots, what happens in that game? That's sort of where I'm at. And Arkansas's <laughs> defense has improved too. So Chuck's trying to change my mind over here. He's got me trying to trying hard rethinking I, you it. Know, you know I'm a contrarian. You know, like I, I often uh you know if you say, you know it, it I love arguing with Logan of all people. You know uh, <laughs> if Logan says something, you know I, I kind of have to talk him out. I'm just saying that yeah, Ole Miss is the favorite, but if we def- we're play we're defending better. And if they don't hit everything they throw up, I could see Arkansas being in the game, and um, you know, and, and Kai Madden coming through for us like he always does, uh, or Bobby Portis, <laughs> or just some, or anybody, just anybody. I, I will, I will say this. I think, uh, I think the the key to that game is Michael Qualls. I think he has to yes. get out of this slump. Uh, I think we can win at Auburn without him uh, shooting the lights out. But Ole Miss, we're going to need his A game because uh, Ole Miss is a tournament team. They're 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 a good ball club. Yeah, and, and that would be huge. Uh, ro- I mean, would that be our best road win of the year, other than maybe Georgia? Georgia? Uh, and of course, SMU's turned it on too. So you know that again. That's just another nice uh, boost to because I feel like you. Know, I feel like we're a lock at this moment, but an zero two week with some other big games left, uh, it, it clouds the picture a little bit. Um, you know, but the RPI is still good. The out of conference schedule is still good, and um, we've taken care of business when we've needed to. It's just going to sort of be interesting to sort of monitor how things are going uh i'm excited it's gonna be a big week for us and uh you know again uh that's gonna be wednesday night against the auburn tigers tomorrow night tomorrow night oh oh my bad we're recording this on a monday it's gonna be tomorrow tuesday night at auburn at their new building with uh, their new head coach bruce pearl in charge and then of course uh saturday the valentine's day special arkansas and uh the ole miss rebels uh really old rivalry uh, so this has been the basketball segment. Now, uh, Colby and I had the opportunity over the weekend to talk with the uh, Razorback all-time receiver, uh, J.J. Metters. Uh, great guy. Agreed to come on the show with us. We end up actually talking longer than we even anticipated, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, we're going to have that uh, interview for you now, and uh, we're going to play it right now. What's going on, everybody? This is Chuck Livingston, uh, co-host of the Hogcast, uh, joined as always by Colby Yarbrough. Colby? Hey, what's up, everyone? And uh, today we're joined by a guy who's made, I mean, the, the, the biggest play of my career as a young Hog fan, 1995 at Alabama. <laughs> oh, we, we've got J.J. Matters on the show. J.J., what's going on? Man, uh, everything's good, man. And first of all, I'd just like to say I appreciate you guys for having me. And 
you know, it's always good for people to start talking about the, uh, the, the Alabama catch in 95. You know, it, it's, it's when you go to Arkansas and you go to schools like that, and, you know, you never know what's going to happen with your career. So it's just good that 20 years from now people still remember that play and they think highly of it. Oh man, that you know, that was the first year I really got into the Razorbacks football team, and you know, and I, and you'll remember this. They uh, the first game at SMU, you know, I was all jazzed up. I was like, man, we're going to be pretty good this year. And then SMU right. beats us at, at the Cotton Bowl, and right. uh, you know, and, and I, there was some drama that week. Robert Reed was the starting quarterback, and he left the team. Right. And, uh, Barry right. Lunny Jr. actually took over as senior quarterback and won what eight out of the next nine or ten games, or and just yep. won the SEC yep. West and. One of them was the Alabama catch. Now we're going to get into all that because, believe me, when I heard okay. that, when I, when we heard you're going to come on with us, I uh, I, I was ex- I was ecstatic because again, you don't that was a big deal to the seven eight year old Chuck Livingston. But um, uh, <laughs> what are you doing now? Like I, I know a little bit about it, but like, can you describe to us like what you're doing now as far as working with young athletes? Well, we uh, I have a partner. We own a company, uh, South County Sports Performance, and we're doing uh, basically sports performance training. So we're doing speed and agility training, strength and conditioning. Also, at the same time, you know, we're doing uh, sports-specific training. Like, I train wide receivers, quarterbacks, defensive backs. Uh, I have a partner that does baseball. So, we're pretty, we're fairly entrenched as far as the sports training part of it goes. How long have you been doing this? Well, we've had the – I've been doing it about seven years now, uh, full-time. We started South County Special Performance about three years ago. And we actually just opened up a brand new 12,000 square foot facility in Bryant uh, about a little over a month ago. So uh, right around January, 1st of January. Oh, wow. Bryant, that's Colby's neck of the woods, isn't it, Colby? Yeah, this right down the road. I've been seeing them put that up. Yeah, we're, uh, we're right, and we got a good location. We're right off of uh, Interstate 30. And, you know, we've been doing some team programs, some training programs. And, of course, we've had a few kids here and there who've gotten signed. And the Right now, you know, we've been pretty busy, and it's pretty going pretty well. Yeah, so so who are a few of the kids that, that we know about that you've worked with uh, just over man, the past? I've worked, you know, over the past seven years, man, I've worked with, uh, I think one of the first kids I had that I got a chance to do a little work with was uh, Joe Adams when he was finishing up at CAC. That was one of the first years I moved here and started training. But we had uh, Cruz Williams and Neil Barlow, who were one guys out of uh, – Pulaski Academy. Uh, recently, I've had uh, KJ Hill, of course, is one of my big guys. DJ Brown over at North Little Rock signed with uh, NIU. Um, and then I had a couple more kids that signed with smaller schools this year. Will Jennings over at Catholic signing with uh, uh, UAM. Um, had a couple of kids coming up from Camden. Byron Keaton, who's going to walk on up there at Fairville. And, uh, Tyler Phillips, who was like the number one spark guy, Nike spark training guy in the country last year, finished number four overall, and he's walking on up at Fayetteville. And I've actually got a D1 uh, track and field athlete, uh, Melinda Murdoch from Bryant last year, who's a, a freshman at Memphis. So, and we've had a lot of kids doing a lot of you know a lot of different stuff. We've got a kid that's training here now with my partner, uh, Blaine Knight, who signed to go to the play, be a pitcher for the Razorbacks, and. You know, so we've got a little bit going, you know, across the board. Well, definitely some, definitely some big names that we've heard back in the past. Um, who's some kids that are coming up? You know, sophomores and uh, juniors that you yeah, know. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we. Yeah, sorry, so we uh, we got a good group of young kids. Man, we got uh, Demario Crockett, probably one of the bigger names we have coming out this year. He's a 
running back, six foot, two hundred and fifteen pound, four four, low four, high four four, low four five guys being recruited. I already got a few offers from Memphis, uh, Arkansas State, I think, maybe Henderson, Henderson State, but you know, he's been visiting Oklahoma's, Auburn's. Uh, we got a wide receiver, Tobias Inlow, out of uh, North Little Rock. He's a 6'2 guy, 185, 190-pounder. He's getting uh, some D1 looks. Uh, we got a, a, a guy that I call a sleeper, man. He's John Johnson, 6'2", uh, 205, 210, out of Harmony Grove. Rushed for right around 2,000 yards last year. And uh, so another guy who's been, you know, being highly recruited. So, so we've got a good uh, good group of kids that are finishing up this year. I think uh, out of our elite group, we had about eight kids that we had our hands on uh, that got signed uh, this year on uh, signing date. And then a 2016 class, we should have about 10 kids uh, from D1, D2s, and D3s that will get signed uh, this year on signing day. Man, that's exciting, man. This thing is really blowing up. Man, it's crazy. Uh, I think one of the guys uh, told me the other day, he said, man, it's crazy how you guys have started, you know, really, you know, from the jump, been able to help develop elite-level athletes and produce elite-level athletes over a short time. And, you know, it's crazy because I think right now we have the most college-level or college-ready kids training here on any other place in the state of Arkansas, and that's including, you know, some of the bigger, you know, training facilities. And uh, but I think one of the things that we've done different is that we've really got grassroots. And, you know, I'm at all of the youth football games and you know youth sports and finding kids sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Uh, like KJ here, for instance, you know he's been training with me since he was an eighth grader. Uh, Dijon Ben, who was an outside linebacker at Henderson State last year, he was training with me since he was a tenth grader, all the way through high school and through college. So. You know, a lot of these guys, we're finding them early, helping them develop, helping them get better. And, uh, you know, it's just honestly, I've, I've had a couple of jobs since college, but I haven't had anything to where, you know, I'm enjoying it as much and working hard, working all the time, but <laughs> we get a lot of enjoyment out of what we're doing. Well, and, uh, and one of the kids I know that you are uh, have at least met with, I don't know how much you've worked with him, is uh, Gary Bohannon from Earl. Um, oh, yeah, Gary. Gary's been down a couple of times, man. He uh, he's a kid that uh, actually sits here. My former uh, my former uh, receivers coach uh, actually has a uh, AAU basketball organization, and Gary plays for him. And uh, you know, he just felt that you know he needed to come down here and train. You know, whenever he was in town training, and he hit me up with Gary. And, man, I was just when he walked in the door, I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> You know, I couldn't yeah. believe the kid was a ninth grader, you know. But he came in, man, phenomenal-looking athlete, jumps, runs. You know, he has all the tools, and it's, it's just scary to see a kid his size and his development at, you know, 14, 15 years old. Well, a funny story. I was actually uh, – I was covering uh, one of Earl Junior High's games last year. He was in eighth grade, 2013. Right. And I get mm-hmm. out there, and um, and I'm looking, and I'm like, man, who's who, who's the who's the big uh, who's the big 13? They're like, oh, that's Bohan. He's an eighth grader. I said – what? And like, you know, at the time he's six two or so and I was like, There's there's no way that's true but um right. you know but loves to work hard, you know. I I don't know. Like I think he and I'm saying this just sort of off the cuff, you know, I mean I think he likes basketball better, but I feel like somebody that Yeah, that, and I and I think that was one of the reasons why they introduced me to him because I think he want I think he maybe does like basketball a lot better, but I mean if you see him, man, he's just a football body. I mean, he if he is a guy that definitely was born to play football. Well, know, that's my he, point. Uh, yeah, somebody that big yeah. and strong and fast. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you at know, that age, but, he just turned fifteen in November. 
Right. I know. And then, you know, but you know how kids are, man. You know, he, you know, basketball seems probably a little more fun to him right now, probably a little less work, you know, for his size. But I think that, uh, you know, most of the people that I've talked to understand that he probably could be a pretty good basketball player, but he has the all the tools necessary to be a great football player. Yeah, and, uh, and I think that, but I think you know if he's smart, man, I, I would keep keep continuing to play both. That's going to help him develop a bigger menu of uh, abilities, and so you know it's, it's it's I think it'll help him in the long run. But I, I, I definitely I definitely see him as a as a major D one football prospect over the next couple of years. Yeah, I know Chuck is just um, I, I guess a few months ago he's, he was just raving about th- this guy, and, um, and and of course you've seen him as well, and so it's somebody to look for in the future. Sure. Right, yeah, definitely. But I know that uh, I know I talked to Lonnie about it, and I know Lonnie's been down to see him. Uh, uh, just I think last week, like last Wednesday, Thursday, he was up in Earl, uh, you know, to see Gary, and uh, you know, he, the, you know, he's a guy who had the Nick Savings and all those guys who be coming through Earl to, to check him out over the next couple of years, without a doubt. Yeah, I actually ran into Lonnie down in um, Junction City as well. He was looking at Jamario Bell and another couple yeah. guys, you know. So he, so yeah. he, uh. He doesn't get much off time either, it doesn't seem like. He's always traveling and doing something. Man, Lonnie is working so hard right now, man. And that's, I really love it, man. First of all, I just want to say he did a great job this year putting him in a heck of a in-state class 2016. Yes. You know, we hate that being with KJ didn't work out. But, you know, still, even without getting him, uh, bringing him into the fold, you know, they're pretty deep. They probably had one of the best in-state classes they've had since, I think, maybe 2008, 2009, somewhere in that time frame. And uh, but man, he's working, and uh, he, you know, one of the reasons I'm pretty sure they brought him on the staff because he was an in-state guy and his Razorback back connections, and and it's really paying off. And and I, 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 you know, I just really want to go out and say that I really love the job that he's doing, and we really want to make sure that we're out there supporting Barry. And how big is that for somebody that's got you know contacts with coaches across state, got you know contact with you as well, you know these in-state players, you know in you yeah, know. Man, he- you know, he, he it's so big because he can get there first, you know, and that's the thing, you know, a lot of the in-state guys, and we've seen, you know, guys here and there who's left the state, but, you know, in the, in the previous regimes, they just, it was primarily because they got on these guys late. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, if Auburn or somebody offers them, and then in-state comes back and offers them after that, then, you know, it's going to be a dog fight. But, you know, you can get build a relationship with these guys ninth and 10th grade, you know, then we got a better chance of, you know, when we got top guys of being able to keep them in, in the state and keeping them in the fold. Yeah, so uh, basically you mentioned your facility, and that's in Bryant. Right. You said it's off of Interstate right. 30, which is right. seems like a really prime spot for a, a business. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, man. It's, we're going to ask for a better location, honestly. You know, so you know, so that's, I mean, is that going to be like sort of your next phase? Like you're sort of now like, you know, you got you got your facility, you know, I mean, you're, you know, I mean, it sounds like you're already working hard, but I mean, is there room for you to expand that yeah, enterprise well, actually, as well? Yeah, man, we, you know, we are, I think one of the things that we want to be careful with is that we don't do big groups here now. You know, we do a lot of, like I say, small groups, like normally – we may have a group of 20 here training, but we've got two coaches. So normally it's about an athlete, to, it's about a 9-to-1, 10-to-1 athlete-to-coach ratio, and we want to keep it that way, you know. So, um, But also at the same time, you know, we're also looking at into, right now we're looking at a place in Hot Springs, uh, 
and also also a spot in Canada. And, you know, we don't want to get where we got a million keepers training here. We want to try to keep it to where, you know, it's, it's almost like getting uh, individual training, but it's still in a group setting. You know, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously the more guys that we continue to produce and develop, obviously the more kids we'll have coming in training. But, you know, we'll, we'll always try to make sure that, that the premium is on the training itself and, that, and the relationships that we build with the athletes. And, and that's the thing that really pushes them to that next level is being, being able to work with somebody consistently and not just working with whoever trainer or whatever trainer is on, on duty when you get to train that day. So, you know, those are things that we're looking at. But, you know, eventually, probably in the next year or so, we'll, you know, we'll at least have at least one more location open in the next year, maybe at least two locations in the next couple of years. Sounds like you got a vision then, and it's all, you know, sounds like it's working out. And, again, yeah, some of the guys you've worked with is, is only going to help that cause. Yeah, man, it's crazy. We also have a, uh, I have a 14-year-old that we're training here now, uh, Kristen Williams. Uh, she's a freshman over at uh, Central Arkansas Christian CAC. But, you know, she's a freshman. She's already got four offers, four or five offers. She's been offered by Baylor, Arkansas, um, Alabama, Kansas, <sighs> Missouri, I think maybe Kansas State. So she's got five or six D1 offers, but, you know, literally a top 10, top 15 girl nationally. And, you know, and it's crazy to be able to, you know, to get these kind of kids. But, you know, it's so funny because, we, you know, we think a lot about the social media. But for us, it's really been great because the guys, the high-level kids training here, it's just like they, you know, it's like they're basically advertising for us. You know, they're posting on their Instagrams and their Twitters and people see them training here and seeing some of the stuff that we're doing. And, you know, the kids, they really want to be good. And, you know, they want to come where they can get the best training or get the best opportunity to get to the next level. And the kids are just so much more savvy about, you know, the training and development, even than we were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, it's just, you know, just the word of mouth thing has just been so good. But, you know, it's just not been parents, man. It's just the kids have done a great job of going out and advertising for us and, you know, and, and obviously, you know, their play and their performance also has uh, has really uh, done a lot good, good as far as being able to advertise for us. Yeah, you know, and again, I don't think they would plug something that they don't feel like is working or being beneficial for them either. So obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And I think that uh, you know, we, you know, like I said, we've had the All States and All Americans. And this year, KJ was a U.S. Army All American. Uh, last year, you had him and Tyler at the Nike opening, which is the biggest and the most prestigious football camp combined, you know, in the country. And we had two guys there, you know, out of top 150. And, uh, you know, and I think that really speaks volumes, you know, as far as what we're doing. But, you know, we want to do it again next year and the year after that and the year after that. So, you know, we're constantly in the business trying to find the top talent around here, but also, you know, just developing, making sure we're working hard and developing everybody that comes in the door. Makes sense. You know, and again, it just sounds like you're, you're really driven and you got to, again, having baseball, I think it's a big thing too because, you know, right. you, you know, you don't want to be just a football factory. You know, you'd like to be able right. to, uh, you know. Right. Yeah, no, the baseball thing is just really big. I know you guys are a little bit familiar with Saline County. And baseball and softball is very big here. And yes. But the thing is, you know, it's also about having a niche. And I think uh, my partner is doing a lot of stuff now with uh, arm strengthening protocols for not just pitching but for all throwers. 
And, you know, yes, and that's one of the things that we're working on there, all stripping and protocols, uh, pitching, you know, throwing, but, you know, just 5-2. And basically what we have, you know, we have sports performance, but we have our 5-2 baseball training to, you know, throw, run, field, hit for power, all those things, and just trying to help guys develop all the way around. Uh, I think one of the things that says is important is that we have the ability to develop a complete athlete here. You know, we got the strength, we got the conditioning, but, you know, we also got guys who played at a high level who've been, you know, who, you know, understand what it's like to be in front of 100,000 people or, you know, they understand what it's like to be in a locker room with other guys who are just as talented, but, you know, still being able to rise up and show and being able to separate yourself, you know, in a, in a pack of apple barrels. You know, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, I don't worry about what's going to happen to my kids when they get to college because they're in here training. You know, they say iron sharp and iron. Well, you know, they're training with top talent here every day. So when they get to college, they're just going to, you know, they're going to be accustomed to doing that. and They're going to be able to raise their level up and, you know, they're, you know we're, they'll be ready to compete. So interview. Okay. Okay. They, uh, well, yeah, so uh, real quick, do you want to give out the uh, contact information for your uh, company, maybe an email, oh, a phone yeah, number, man. an address? Yeah, it just hit definitely, me. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you can, uh, you can definitely give me a call uh, directly. My phone number is uh, 501-200-2800, so that's a pretty good number to remember, 500-200-2800. We also have our, we have our, uh, we have our website, which is uh, Salt County SP dot com and then you can uh, email me at jj at saltcountysp.com and of course your twitter handle is at j metters j-a-y-m-e-a-d-o-r-s and your your avatar on twitter brings back uh, some good or slash uh, terrible <laughs> memories of the, of the big hog on the shoulder pads in the apex days <laughs> I hated those jerseys, but it's just funny, man. It's like, it's, it's like the kids, oh, my God, the kids are like, when I say Apex, like, they don't even know what Apex is. You know oh. what I'm saying? What kind of jersey? Like, what kind of jersey? And I'm like, Apex. I'm like, Apex. So, you know, it's funny, man. But I I, uh, I have so many people calling. I don't even have one of those jerseys. But you would be surprised at the Razorback fans. And, you know, they want to buy. I had a guy that said, man, he's like, will you sell me that jersey? And I was like, I don't have it. He's like, I'll pay whatever you want for it. I was like, I don't have it. <laughs> he's like, man, I'm serious, man. I, I, I'll pay whatever. Just name the price. And I, I was like, I do not have it. You know, so, man, those jerseys were cool. Those jerseys we wore uh, the 94 season for our 100-year anniversary and uh, but I just hope that never ever ever see those again. <laughs> I'll be honest. There was about a week. There was about a week back. About it was when Coach Petrino was there. Like I, I saw him. I saw one of the old games on a you know Fox Sports or something, and from the '94 yeah. season. And I was yeah. like, man, like they're ugly, but I kind of want one. Like I kind of wanted to get one and wear it, you know. And I couldn't yeah. find one. eBay, eBay didn't have them. You know, uh, yeah. Amazon didn't have them. Um, so, um. So, all right, so real quick, real quick, Jay. All right, all right, so the catch in 95. Uh, you know, San Francisco 49ers got their catch. Dwight Clark, of course, <laughs> in the end zone. You know, uh, right. you know, New England's got their catch from the other day. It was uh, Julian Edelman right. for the touchdown. Uh, Arkansas, right. in, in my opinion, your catch put Arkansas on the map in the SEC as a football school. You know, it took a little while to really get rolling. You were gone. You know, uh, Coach Nutt was there. But uh, – right. 
talk about that last drive. Like, I mean, because I, I know there were, you converted a couple of fourth downs. You know, Lunny's right. running around for you know for you know right. trying to stay stay alive. <laughs> Anthony Eubanks right. made a big catch. You made a bit the biggest right. catch. Um, right. You know, just, just tell us what happened on that last drive. Was that your favorite game Man, as a Razorback? That, you know, yeah. After the fact, when you look back at it, of course, and I think that's probably what more, most people remember. The thing, man, that I can remember about that game is that first of all, I was having probably the worst game of my career that day. Ooh. I caught one pass. Uh, I let a punt bounce on the ground and roll down to the one, and we got a safety uh, on the drive that I actually ended up catching a touchdown on the first play of that drive. I missed a bomb. Like on the first or second play of the drive, that went right through my hands. And, you know, I was just having the worst day. But the thing is, is that I, the two things I remember. I remember that when I came back to the huddle after missing that first one, I remember Bear just looked at me and just said, stay with me. Because he knew that, you know, it was just at the end of the game. I pretty much thought that I had lost the game for us. You know, and I mean, I mean, kids, you know, people say, you know, I was competing and I wasn't thinking. I mean, you know, if you drop a bomb with three minutes left in the game and you're down six, playing Alabama, then that's pretty much it because you're not going to get another opportunity against those guys. But, you know, I remember that uh, I remember that actually Lucas made a big catch on fourth down when we probably should have been out of there. And uh, But I can just remember that once we got down to the goal line, and I just, you know, I was like, coach, it's come to me, you know. And, but you're sitting over there, so finally we get to the fourth down play, and they call basically it's like an option play. And it's just basically what coach would always say, he said, it's backyard football. You know, you and Barry just make whatever the defensive back guy does, just make it be wrong. You know, if he jumps outside, I was going to turn inside. If he jumped inside, I was going to turn outside. If it was man-to-man, I was just going to turn it into what we call a whip route or a, wee, a read or a return route. And the guy, he played me man-to-man, so I faked like I was going to go across the formation, and I turned and I whipped out, whipped out of it. And, uh, and it was so cool because I came wide open, and I think Barry saw it. We, you know, we've been playing together for four years, so – like we both got had good recognition as to what was going on. We got what we wanted, and I actually came wide open. I think Barry just relaxed a little bit, man, and he slipped the ball out. He kind of flipped it out there to me, and it went straight into the ground. You were too so, open. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he was like, and he was saying, you know, he said, "Man, I just relaxed a little bit because I, you know, I just wanted to flip it out there to you, and uh, and it actually went right to the ground." And uh, towards the ground, I don't want to say it went right into the ground. It went towards the ground, and I got my hands under it. Yeah. yeah, and I got my hands on it, but the thing I think people saw is like when I jumped up, the ball was kind of bobbling, you know, just a little bit. But, you know, the referee saw it. He saw it clearly. He was standing right there. And, uh, you know, and honestly, for me, man, the first thing that, you know, I went to the locker room and cried because I thought that I, I mean, honestly, I was still thinking that I lost the game for us. You know, and that's, you know, and it was just, it was just so emotional for me because we won, uh, we had beaten uh, SMU the week before. And uh, this, this was going to make us 2-0 in the, in the conference. It was my senior year. And, you know, it was it weighed so heavy on me that I didn't catch that ball. And honestly, like, once I got out of the field, I went, to, I went to a stall in the locker room and I cried for maybe like five minutes, got that out of my system. And then I went and celebrated with my teammates. Emotions running high at that point in time, though. I mean. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it, it was tough, you know. It was like I almost want to cry right now. Thinking about it. <laughs> hey, so but you know, but it's just like people don't get, you know. I hear, you know, like when I work for Pfizer, I know people will say, "Oh my God, you know, we're a team and we're going out here." It is like, but it's nothing like being out there with eighty some, eighty five guys and y'all competing and y'all landing on the line. And you know, I don't, you know, doing bad for me personally. You know, I can live with that, but I don't want to let down those other eighty four guys 
score on the team with me. And uh, and so, you know, it was a little bit tough, but, you know, I was glad that, you know, the coach came to me on, on the last play. And I think that, uh, um, you know, it's like people ask me about the last kiss, and I'm proud, but I'm even proud of that, you know, with four or five seconds left in the game, Alabama, and you got to have one play that the coach calls your number. And to me, you know, that means more than me than obviously making a catch because, you know, if they got to have it, you know, they felt like I was the best option to be able to get that done. And, that, you know, that's probably what I'm most proud of. Well, I know what you mean on crying because when, when Arkansas beat LSU in 02 in Little Rock, <laughs> uh, Corey Birmingham in the back of the end zone, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely I cried. I def- you were there? Yeah, I was there again. That was one, and that's funny because I was living in Dallas, but yeah, exactly. I, I was about to cry at that game. <laughs> well, because I mean, because I thought we were done, you know, but then somehow Matt right. Jones like hit, I think, Richard Smith for like 55 like yards a, and then. Man, it was like ninety. That play from Richard Smith was like ninety yards. And he uh, and to get him down there, and then you got Birmingham. I mean, it was just uh. Oh yeah, yeah, to get him down there. But I think I think before that, because we were down like I can't remember where we were down. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Richard scored one like ninety something yards that day. Uh, he scored a long one against Tennessee. Against Tennessee okay. in '02, up there, it was late in the game were backed up and like they just busted the coverage and you know he was a track star too and uh yeah, exactly. and he broke it deep exactly. and matt jones just put it on him now arkansas lost the game there at tennessee but okay. he i want to say it was like a 94 okay. yard touchdown i think it was a school yeah. record um yeah, but that was uh no so so i know exactly what you mean on that because i i uh, just you know i just i love the razorbacks i can tell you still do Colby kind of likes the Razorbacks. I think he's sort of a Texas fan, though. No, so not cool. at all. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, you know, he, uh, well, Colby, you got anything else to, to add? Uh, that's, that's all. I appreciate, you know, we appreciate JJ coming on, uh, you know, uh, talking about, you know, his work now and then talking about, you know, his, with, uh, playing with the Razorbacks. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Man, Anytime you want to come back on. Okay, man, thank you guys. Hey, first of all, I appreciate you guys for having me and getting the opportunity to talk about South County Sports Performance, man. We're, you know, we're, we're having a real good time down here, but, you know, we're also producing some pretty high-level athletes, and, you know, if anybody would like to take advantage of that, please give me a holler or shoot me an email or a text or something. And uh, you, you mentioned that contact information again if you want real fast, just to be safe in yes, case they sir. missed it. Yes, yeah. yeah, so 501 or you can give us a shout at uh, South County Sports Performance, Sports Performance. Guys, that's J.J. Meadows, former Razorback great, or still a Razorback great, you know, Razorback all-timer. Uh, man, thanks so much for coming on. This was a thrill for me and Colby both. You know, we're looking forward to this all week, seriously. Thanks, J.J. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime you want to come back on, I'm glad to have you. Again, that was J.J. Metters, uh, the, the author of Arkansas's version of The Catch in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in September of 1995. Uh, the proudest moment of my uh, young Razorback uh, fandom uh, back in that fall, first time to ever beat Alabama. You know, he's talking about some really exciting things he's doing in Bryant. Colby, what do you think about J.J.? Uh, very passionate still, you know, about uh, the Razorbacks uh, and what he does right now. You know, it's kind of great you have – Central Arkansas hasn't produced as many D1 athletes as they used to, you know, five or six years ago. But he's really been helping with that, you know, with his facility and everything here in Bryant. And, you know, hopefully we'll see more, you know, players come out of the Central Arkansas area. 
Right, and he's worked with you know, as he said, such a some such big timers. KJ Hills, a uh, guy who just came out. He said he worked with Joe Adams a lot. Uh, so some some just huge names. Uh, and uh, again, a former receiver himself for Arkansas. I think a three year starter, and um, you know, just just a really great guy and a sort of giving back a little bit and uh, just loves what he does, but still remembers his time in Fayetteville fondly. Uh, this it was a real it's real pleasure. It's re- you know, I was I was thinking over the weekend after the interview specifically. Uh, Man, like this is the best part of having the show. Is like, you know, JJ Matters a guy that you know twenty years ago, like I'm watching like beat Alabama, and like catch slant routes against Ole Miss for wins. But like, you know, now he's like we're like interviewing him. Like this is it's one of the real thrills of the show. Would you guys agree? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, it, and and hearing him, you know, re- talk about that '95 game against Alabama where he was saying he was having probably the worst game in his career, right? And then he makes the big catch, you know, and redeems himself. I mean, you know, it's just awesome. You know. He clearly remembers it like it was yesterday. As do I. As do I. Um, you know, so anyway, so that was JJ Matters, man. You know, check him out uh, if you've got a young athlete you're wanting to develop. Uh, I, I mean, you, you've again, it, it, some of his uh, clients in the past kind of speak for themselves, you know. So I don't, I don't have to sell you on his business. Uh, you should give him a ring. Um, obviously, last week was a uh, obviously National Signing Day. Uh, football, the big, it's basically a national holiday for a lot of people. Uh, the Razorbacks hauled in a consensus top 25 recruiting class in the country, uh, and uh, Colby's our recruiting guru, and I'm going to throw this over to CY to get a few thoughts from him, and Logan and I will follow up with our thoughts as we see fit. Colby? Yeah, Arkansas signed 24 uh, uh, last week. Maybe they might get one more. Um, you know, I don't think it's coming anytime soon, or they might use it for next year, but I'm just going to go down the list of who signed and, and maybe a little bit about them. Josh Allen, offensive lineman, he actually um, – Committed to North Carolina last year, and things didn't work out there. Coach Pittman stayed on him, and then they went and got after him. He had a lot of big-time offers come out of uh, high school, Florida State, and some other big offers. Um, uh, Jamario Bell out of Junction City, uh, consensus uh, four-star about every service. What the coaches really like about him is they can build. He hasn't been in the weight room much, and they think he's got a lot of upside. You got Austin Cantrell. Um, about these tight ends, here's uh, the first one, Austin Cantrell. I mean, he's he can play a little H backs and fullbacks and tight end, and yeah, I don't see him red shirt. And you hear a lot of people talk about O'Grady and and Will Gregg, and you know what I like about all of them, they all do something different. And I could see them all playing next year without being red shirt. Um, got Nate Dalton, cornerback at, out of uh, he's from originally from Baton Rouge, but moved to Houston. Um, you can kind of see what the staff's doing as far as um, cornerbacks. Um, he's six three, so they're going with a taller. Um, uh, corners, which you like to see when you're playing SEC competition, because you go against some, you know, six four, six five receivers. Uh, of course, uh, one of our favorite, Yelda Frohote, uh, came on, and uh, we need to get Lars on because Bielma told us a story about them going to Disney World and um, about uh, Yelda's uh, frozen uh, phone cover. So we'll have to get him on. Some frozen time. phone cover, I love it. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Uh, out of Fort Smith, a uh, Datreon Dean. Um, he, He's, I think, having sh- shoulder surgery, but um, he came in uh, Christmas, and they expect big things out of him. We got Will Gregg, and uh, you know, I talked about Austin, um, what he brings. Uh, Will Gregg's kind of the all do it all. He blocks. He's a good receiver, tight end. Got Derek Graham out of Florida. Um, Arkansas actually had to fight Florida for him twice, and they beat him out at first, and then um, uh, Coach Shannon went to Florida and tried to get him back there, and that's kind of his childhood team. His brother's a big fan, so you know it's a big, uh, big get to keep him. In he's, the, he's the one that actually had his Twitter account uh, uh, hacked by the Florida fans, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Which is ridiculous. He's been, he's been a he's been a great recruiter for Arkansas. He said actually um, when he redid his Twitter, he's like, 
He's like, I got to get these all these uh, uh, follow all these people again because he had 96 uh, future recruits. He was going to be hitting up. He said, I see. I know he was so. recruiting hard. The he was recruiting really hard on signing day for KJ Hill. I remember yeah. he tweeted out saying, you know, I've signed my letter of intent. I'm headed to Arkansas. I hope to see you there. So he's obviously trying real hard. I'd like to see a guy that's all Razorback like that. And he, he's six four and 217. Probably start an outside linebacker. But, I mean, with that size and frame, I mean, you could see him maybe moving defensive end or anything, you know. He's got a good frame. Uh, Dre Greenlaw out of Fayetteville, um, you know, it's another guy that, you know, they're pretty high on. Uh, George actually came in late and offered. Uh, Bielema said that Rob Smith actually went and watched him. And he's like, yeah, let's offer this guy. We got Colton Jackson. He's actually the only one out. And that's what it's been really impressive about this class. Every one of them but Colton Jackson's got another Power 5 offer. And that's not knocking Colton Jackson. When they offered him, he was uh, he didn't even started, you know, uh, varsity football yet. Uh, Coach Pittman just went and watched him and watched him just for like a little bit. Told Barry Lunny to give Bielema a call and tell him yes. So, I mean, that's one of the things when Arkansas offers early, a lot of times, like, coaches, you know, they kind of cut their losses unless it's something they see, especially offensive line. They know that Arkansas, their in-state kid commits, is probably not going to get. And Bielema even said he's like, Colton Jackson was in, you know, the DFW area. Uh, this guy probably has 50, 40, 50 offers. Uh, Kendrick Jackson, linebacker out, out of Louisiana, he's um, probably Arkansas's first middle linebacker they've truly had that I can remember. You know, usually they're having to get an outside linebacker or maybe a safety, and they're kind of converting them. But um, and you know, that'll kind of maybe the old they, Joker Joker position, like Joe yeah. Nelson. Yeah, and maybe I mean this might give an opportunity to move Bricks Ellis to outside linebacker, move him to middle linebacker, him and Josh Williams, and I mean I think it just it you put you put more playmakers on the on the field and what's interesting about Kendrick Jackson um, he's six foot 240 also plays quarterback for his team he also plays shortstop and he also plays point guard for the basketball team so <laughs> you can do it uh, all exactly good Lord. so uh, a good get there and uh, Blake Johnson the punter um, I don't know if y'all ever watched his highlights the Duke can punt he was actually um, on the all-american team uh, I can't think I think it was the Army all-american game he got selected and there's only two punters so he's definitely one of the top punters in, in the nation uh, Jeremiah I was kind of hoping for Blake Johnson. You'd say, Blake Johnson, the punter, he's got one leg. <laughs> like, I'd be like, oh, no, how's this going to work? And the exciting thing about him, he actually played linebacker for his uh, team, but he runs really fast. So, I mean, don't, ex- you know, just because, um, what's it, the Aussie? I can't think of his name Sam right Irwin now. Hill. Sam Irwin Hill's leaving. Uh, don't the expect punter from down fake punts to go away anytime soon. I think you'll see plenty with Blake Johnson because he's, he's well, That's pretty athletic, impressive considering so. he's got one leg. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Jeremiah Ledbetter, a defensive lineman. I think he probably comes in and plays right away as a JUCO player. Had some really big offers. Um, I think Georgia and Florida State both offered him. Florida, um, some other big-time schools. He might. He probably comes in and takes Trey Flower's spot. Uh, Jalen Merrick, uh, you know, probably one of the most talked about, you know, commits Arkansas has. You know, I think what's impressive about him is Very Florida State, Florida – Miami all wanted him. Alabama wanted him. He came to Arkansas. And um, anytime you can get, like, that's in, like anybody still something, you know, a, a player out of Arkansas, except there's like three, you know, two other big universities in that state. So, you know, it's really impressive they got him. He's only played football for two years. And uh, he's got this one play in his video where it's almost like the blindside mover. He pushed the guy probably 15, 20 yards downfield. So expect big things for him in the uh, future. C.J. O'Grady actually rivals in 24-7, had him ranked as the number one player in Arkansas. Um, really good uh, really good at catching the ball. So, you know, you get him, Hunter Henry, uh, Austin Cantrell, and uh, Will Gragham, you know, you can 
I think they just all bring something to the table. Do you, uh, think we, do you think we end up redshirting one of the tight ends, or do you think all three get some playing time next year? I think it all depends. Um, you know, I don't know how good C.J. O'Grady's blocking is, so maybe that holds him back from, um, you know, starting. Hunter Henry wasn't the best pass blocker when he came in, but there wasn't as many options. So mm-hmm. maybe that's something. I don't know. I mean, they, like I said, they all bring something, but, you know, I figure at least two out of the three play next year. And I figure Austin Cantrell is the one that for sure plays because he can play the fullback position as well. Um, so he might be an H-back type option yeah. or something. Yeah, so, I mean. I like it. And like I said, they all bring something different. So it's just, you know. And we love those flare routes to the fullback out of the backfield anyway. So And, and you know, Murph was talking about, you know, the, the 30 formation where you have backs or tight ends in the backfield. Um, maybe, you know, you put two of the, t- maybe Austin Cantrell, Will Gregg or something in the backfield with the running back. And, and he said that he'll do a lot of passing plays out of that formation. So, you know, maybe that's something that we see. And uh, you got three uh, tight ends that can catch the ball. You know, brings up another, you know, another option. I just think that I think the offense overall is just going to improve next year. I mean, you're you're improving at every position. Um, right. And, and when the position is really weak, uh, um, Michael Petway is one of the receivers coming in, and um, uh, a six-two guy, real physical player, runs. I think he runs like a four-four, two-thirty. Uh, uh, he, you know, I could see him playing next year. Um, Ryan Poy out of Florida. He actually had an offer from Florida State. Texas A&M was trying to get him to visit, and I, I think they actually got an offer. He's got an offer for them. Real physical corner. Um, you know, I, I bet he plays next year. Uh, maybe my favorite, you know, commitment we got just because what he can bring. If if everything works out off the field, is Dominic Reed um, runs a. Some people say a six three. He's six four, and you know, I thought maybe the knock was his hand. Um, but Bielema and them said everything that's thrown to him, he catches. And I honestly think they're more excited about him than, you know, uh, most about any player, too. Yeah, I, uh, I watched some Juco film of that guy, and Dominic Reed is for real. Like, I'm very, very excited about him. With him and JoJo Robinson and Petaway, our, our wide receiving core is getting a lot, lot better next year. It's and very he, exciting times. He brings a, a threat, and JoJo will, too. We didn't have any deep threats. We had some possession receivers and kind of the shifty receiver, uh, Cornelius, and um, – um, I can't think of his, his name, but anyways, we, we had them, but we never had that deep thread. And I mean, he's someone that Logan likes it, or Logan's saying he seems. But I mean, you'd probably agree. I mean, he's just someone c- can come in and play, and he, he's not only just he's a good route runner. He, he, I mean, he's pretty much got it all. And I mean, his only knock was he just hadn't handled his classroom until now, or you know, his uh, classes until now. So, you know, yeah. hopefully he makes it. I don't know how many kids we had that ran a four three uh, last year, but adding that speed is going to definitely definitely help next year. Other, other than, than myself, I, probably not many guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was probably the Chuck, we one. said four three, not eight three. Sorry, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought you said eight three. No nah, man. Did no. you not say eight? Th- okay, never mind. Right. If our fastest, if the fastest guy on our team is running an eight three, we got problems. Well, yeah. as long as you admit I'm the fastest guy, so. Whatever, dude. M- Michael Smith is actually saying Dominic Reed says Arkansas hasn't had a receiver like him. And probably like his mold, I mean, because Jarris Wright was really fast, really good catcher, but he was well, about six, six one, mm-hmm. and then you know I, I guess probably Kobe Hamilton would be probably the biggest or the best comparison, but he's faster than Kobe, so you know wow. I don't know. It's Brett uh, Childs had a big frame. Yeah, but how fast know, was he, Childs? He was a four five. Yeah, I don't think he was a burner. Yeah, he was a four five. Just a he was really good at his possession receiver. So I mean, this is somebody, and you know it's. You know, you never know until they actually get in the on campus and on the field. But you know, somebody I think I feel really good about, and hopefully it'll pan out. Um, yeah, I, uh, I oh, go ahead. 
No, you go ahead. I was about to go to the next one, but if you're talking no, about no, that's all. Yeah, I want you to finish that. So you got it. Oh, I was gonna say we Zach Rogers, offensive lineman. He's had a couple injuries. He's actually right at the number one center a year or two ago, and after the injury, he's kind of moved down. Um, he's already on campus. T.J. Smith, which you had on, a great kid. Um, he's he's listed at 265, but Bealman said he's already up to 280. Uh, real hard worker. Um, Dion Stewart out of Highland. Uh, Maybe one of the most underrated uh, signees on of our that Arkansas has. Um, he actually kind of reminds me of uh, Joe Adams, one of my friends that um, was telling me that, and then um, that knows Dion. That a certain coach that used to coach at Arkansas uh, said that mm. that's who they reminded him of. And then um, you got Ty Story. Um, just get, the guy just goes handles his business. Bill Marty said he's just a true leader. I mean, he was out there, you know, just for two days, and he's just just commands the huddle and so you it's probably the you we know ty story are probably redshirt this year but uh definitely a bright future with him under center got willie sykes um he's probably the biggest surprise out of anybody uh, arkansas actually offered him uh, saturday uh, before uh, signing day never visited was committed to nebraska arkansas got him to flip uh hard hitting safety um you know i, I, I figure you're probably redshirt but you never know uh, Raleigh Williams out of Dallas, um, he's been committed for a while, was um, committed to Ole Miss before he switched. Um, Bill McMahon him to Monte Ball. So, you know, uh, a really solid uh, recruiting class. I know a lot of people look at the stars, but a lot of times I look at the offers mainly. And, um, you know, it's just, I mean, every one of them's got a solid offer, had yeah, some solid you, interest, and that's what's most impressive. If you guys go on Twitter, you actually see a list Colby put together of all the recruits and all the offers they had, and there was pretty much everybody on the list had some pretty amazing offers. So for us to beat some of those schools out is impressive. And, and what you like, uh, you know, what every other conference says, what separates SEC from them, well, I mean, the, not the conference, but the players and the analysts and everything, is the, the lines and I mean, if you look the last three years, what Bielman's brought in on the offensive defensive line, I don't remember any coach ever bringing that much talent up front that he has. And then he's building depth. I don't see, like, if you look the list and who's offering him, I don't see anybody as being a reach. And that's a big thing because even the 08 class, you look at, and, you know, that's probably the best class. It wasn't on paper, but how it panned out was probably the best class Arkansas's ever had. Um, but, I mean, even them, there were some, I looked on there, some guys that never really panned out and they, it, and when they offered them, they were kind of reaches. They didn't have any other big offers. No one really showed them interest. And I know that always is not all of it, but, I mean, I just feel like this class, and you, that's another thing uh, Arkansas kind of lacked is depth, and I think that's what this coaching staff is doing. Yeah, I saw a couple of recruits in person uh, just randomly over the – you know, I, I, I'm in total agreement with Coach Bielema on Ty's story. You know, he's a he's a big guy, I and mean, he's very accurate. Uh, I, I wonder about his arm strength. I didn't see him throw it deep a lot. Logan saw him in the state title game this year and said that um, it was kind of the same deal uh, around the chains, you know, intermediate passing and things like that. But he also hit a couple bombs, uh, more mobile than you probably think. And, um, you know, and I also saw uh, uh, Jamario Bell in this year's uh, state semifinals. And I, um, you know, he it was sort of a game that Junction City dominated on the uh, on the ground uh, with Jaquiz Dancy. Um, I didn't see him do a lot at tight end, but um, but obviously his frame, 6'6", 225, is imposing. Uh, I think for uh, I think we can all agree on that. Um, and again, you know, they wouldn't have recruited him unless they thought he could play. So you know, um, I, you know, I saw what kind of stories capable of. You know, Bell, he was sort of a he did he didn't quite have that performance, but I don't think the game really did. I might have called him or Junction on a bad night. Um, 
you know, so uh, extremely excited. I, I'm with you, and you know, and uh, Deion Stewart's a guy that uh, I talked to coaches about um, that played him this year, and they said he was uh, the best player on the field, and that you know he just he did everything, he made every play that um, his team needed uh, to sort of win. You know, he returned punts. Uh, he played cornerback. He he called some passes over the middle and things like that. And he just uh, he's just you know just a uh, just a really good player. And uh, again, you know when you start hearing comparisons, I I get excited about that. Like Colby looks at the offers, I look at the comparisons to NFL players, and um, you know the Jerry's Wright comparisons got me excited. Just like um, you know some of the other comparisons, like we were talking about Ed Reed a couple weeks ago, and you know um, I I just want to I, I want to cheer for for Ed Reed and uh, Earl Thomas. So you know. <laughs> Who's y'all's um, – who are you most excited about and who's maybe your underrated player that you think that's kind of going under the radar that's going to do big things here? Kind of like Kendrick Jackson because uh, sort of like you said, the, the middle linebacker, you know, instead of trying to play a guy out of position, I'm excited that uh, – I'm excited about the possibilities that he brings because I feel like that's an area now with Brooks Ellis going into his third year. Uh, if, you know, if he's if he's ready to play, you can have a really solid linebacking core. And, you know, and obviously you're losing Martrell Spate. Uh, but uh, the future's bright, you know, a guy like that. Uh, I'd probably say him or um, or probably like we were talking about, uh, Colton Jackson or um, or um, Jalen Merrick. Like, I just I, – I think with the offensive line coaching they're going to get, they're just – they're going to succeed. You know, it just it's just a matter of time, so. Yeah, I like Jalen Merrick a lot as well. I think he's going to do a lot of big things while he's here. Um, and then if Dominique Reed makes it to campus, I think he's going to be he's going to step up immediately Ooh, and be Reed, and be yeah. and be a factor. Because uh, I mean, like we talked about, you know, we addressed our needs immediately, and wide receiver was one of the biggest ones we had last year. And Reed has a chance to step up and really make an immediate impact on the football team. Um, so I'm very excited to see what happens there. Yeah, but I'm excited about all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I could see any of these guys um, being big time. And uh, Chuck, you were talking about Kendrick Jackson. I mean, that's one of the guys Balaam just kept on raving about. He's he's right. clearly really excited about that guy. And um, you know, I wouldn't. There's not really any guy besides Ty Story. That's just because of the position uh, that I could see. You know, I, I think he'll redshirt and play Colton Jackson because the depth of the offensive line. But um, besides that, you know. Um, and Colton Jackson, I say depth at offensive line. Uh, uh, Pittman actually said he wants two or three, and that's kind of the norm. You want 16, 17 scholarship offensive linemen, and Arkansas's at 13. So, heck, he may even get to play, but I figure he'll probably redshirt. So. Which is good because you're building your depth up, and uh, you got to have that because in the SEC, you need, you know, you need two of everything or, um, or you're in trouble because, I mean, Guys are too athletic, and you know they hit too hard, and they're too physical. Now, you know you got to have two guys that can play at every position, or you're just one injury away from having a serious liability there. So, um, and again, those are guys I like, you know, and um, you know Colton Jackson's a guy that just wanted to be a hog, you know, and I, I get behind that. Uh, and of course, I think he's going to be a great player as well. So um, it's weird to not be talking about skill positions like that, but um, you know, like I, yeah, I mean Dominique Reed, everything I've seen in red says he's going to be pretty good too. So. Um, that's just, thing. just you, exciting you build, class you build depth on the line and then you can add some playmakers I mean you can do big things yeah but uh, I think it's a solid class you know and the problem is you know it, it was 22nd in the nation and I think it ended up being what 10th in the SEC or something and mm-hmm. uh, that gives you some pause but again at the end of the day all, all they're all around the same they're all around the same area so I mean it's going to come down to coaching and execution so um, you know, and I, I like the coaching staff we've got, and it seems like you've got a bunch of uncommon uh, recruits coming to campus. You know, so 
uh, I'm not uh, what are you laughing at? I see you using that slogan, bro. Uncommon. Hey, man, hey, hey, I'm buying it. <laughs> are, you, buying are, it. are you an Arkansas staff member, bro? Come on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to answer that. I don't have, yeah. I don't have to answer that. And well, if, you, if you look, um, um, I'll make this quick, but if you, Chuck was talking about Uncommon, but I mean, if you look at everybody, um, I had a list of when I went through signing day in the rock and they have kind of lists of, you know, what other people they do off the field. And, and if you look at them, most of them are, you know, volunteering like soup kitchens, volunteering off, you know, helping, helping other people. And that's what you like to see is that, you know, they're just, um, they can, you know, do that extra bit. And that's something you always don't see. Yeah, it's always good to hear that. Well, guys, is. Well, guys we're, 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 yeah, go ahead, we're running out of time here. We got a, this has been a big episode, obviously with signing day. I uh, appreciate JJ Metters coming on the show for us. Um, we've got a couple interviews coming up soon. We're hoping to get Alex McDaniel on the show uh, this week. We're going to see how that goes. And also coming up in the next month, we've got Martrell Spate coming on. He agreed to come and talk to us, which is very exciting as he gets ready for the NFL draft. So it's been good talking to you guys and we'll, uh, we'll be back with you next week. Thanks, Thanks everybody. For Thanks for listening.